Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. If there's one common thread, it might be that men perceive church as too feminine. We have to be aggressive in the world when it's appropriate. We are warriors. One, two, three. Warriors! You are a real man when you commit to study God's Word, and you commit to being conformed and transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's the biblical perspective on being a man. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And away we go. It's the Wretched Radio Mail Call Delivery Bag Q&A Infotainment Nationwide Extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. It is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. The mail is here! Ooh, this is Wretched Radio. Uh, so grateful that you send stuff to idea at wretched.org. That would include questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, corrections, should that day ever arrive, or stories, sermons, articles, anything wretched, send it to idea at wretched.org. I heard you had to work last week. <laughs> I did. Was that hard on you? Oh, well, this is uh, now now I feel like I'm at the beach like you were last week. I don't have to read anything. Yeah, <laughs> I my life is hard. I'll be honest with you. I uh, I'm just trying to call the last thing I time I had to lift something heavier than my glasses. So I really should have absolutely no complaints about what I get to do here. Idea at wretched.org. All right. This one comes from Molly. It's a really good question, and I'm also really interested in uh, your answer to this. Mr. Friel, is there an age a parent should stop physically spanking their children? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that there is. I think that there comes a time when it becomes actually counterproductive, and you need to make that decision. There are, however, other ways that you can inflict a reminder that there is a consequence for sin. You use other resources, pull things away, don't allow them to, remove privileges. There's a couple of reasons why I think that spanking has an expiration date. Number one, the counterproductivity of it. Number two, it is a little bit odd. It becomes a little bit weird as a child becomes a teenager to do those things. And so for those reasons, I would say pick a time when you say, look, that's that's going to be the end of it. But then don't think that you don't have anything in your arsenal to help the child understand if I do things that are sinful, I'm going to feel that sting. That sting just needs to come in a different form than a belt or a wooden spoon. You OK with that, Jimmy? <laughs> Uh, what what eight you no you think keep doing it till they're what 18 35 35 <laughs> why not that's why? when they're moving out of home and getting married so that's right. i guess if they're in your house knock yourself out idea or them dot org <laughs> okay this one comes from lee who uh, says she has a family member who has hurt her repeatedly over the years, and she doesn't see any end in sight unless he gets right with God. She thinks she's forgiven him for his past wrongs, but there are wrongs that continue to happen even every week Mm. that still provoke anger and sadness in her. So she avoids him as much as possible, and she wonders if that means she hasn't really forgiven him. Well, it, it could be, but sometimes it's hard to move past the hurt when wounds keep getting inflicted. So I, I don't know that I I would be hypercritical 
of myself in this situation, but I would suggest some things that you could do to grow. Number one, always keep yourself safe. And number two, please note that if somebody will never stop to separate from them is not a sin to remove yourself from a hostile, aggressive environment. That That's just self-protection, which is just fine biblically. So don't think that you should be exposing yourself to painful things regularly. Now, having said that, number three, I might suggest you do a deeper dive on the study of forgiveness. What did Jesus ask us to do? What does that actually look like? Does it mean I forgive and forget? Well, sort of yes, sort of no. You definitely forgive. You don't keep bringing it up, but you are going to be reminded of it if it keeps happening. And that's why I don't think you should really be too hypercritical about yourself in this situation, because I think that's just pretty natural and human. But the more you study forgiveness, and that would include recognizing how much you have been forgiven, it will be easier to forgive. And number four, I would suggest Go to the Google machine, type in biblical counseling. Do not type in Christian counseling, biblical counseling, comma, root of bitterness. And go read biblical, not Christian, biblical counseling articles on a root of bitterness because you don't want that. You don't want this, this, this horrid, acidic root to make its way into your hearts because it grabs a hold of it and it is very difficult to uproot. This is not an easy one. And if you don't mortify this, if this is starting to develop, you're you're really uh, you're going to be altered, and it won't be for the better. It 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 will be something that causes you to be robbed of joy, uh, to be to be gracious to people, to have patience with others, long suffering. All of it will diminish if you don't uproot that root of bitterness. Perhaps one of these days we will discuss that in more detail. I do believe, however, we did tackle that in an episode of Transformed, our biblical counseling show. You can find that at wretched.org. Please send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right. This one comes from uh, Bill, who says, Todd, uh, I'm a Christian minister and was recently approached by my youngest daughter to perform her marriage ceremony. Sweet. Yeah, normally that would be an awesome request, but the problem is she's gay. Oh, boy. And when I told her that I could not do it, she freaked out. Mm -hmm. I expect her to be a little upset and even a little mad, but the vitriol that I've received from her has broken my heart, and she actually disowned me Mm -hmm. as her father and says she has disallowed me at her wedding. My pastor and I have discussed this. He says I did the right thing, but I keep praying, but I'm not sure if there's anything else that I should be doing. (sighs) Sir, you are caught in a wake, a tidal wave of an attitudinal shift that parents can just be cut off like a nobody's business. Hold on. I think I've got somewhere, maybe, I thought I did here. Uh, No, I don't. I had an article from, you ready for this, Jimmy? The New York York Times Mm. found an editorial. It was about Father's Day, and this woman was talking about her dad and how her dad always was getting involved with other family members, would go to a visit, would fly across the country to go to the funeral of a second cousin. Family, family, family. And this young lady didn't buy in. 
And so she didn't visit. She didn't call. She didn't make an effort when she was in family members town. And this individual who was writing this, I guess it was an opinion piece for the New York Times on Pops Day, finally learned when dad died, wait a second, I have been putting self first and not commitments and family first. My desires, that's preeminent. And if you, mom and dad, get in the way of my desires, I'm cutting you out because I'm the most important thing. And I thought that was a pretty good job of describing what is going on in our current culture. You have got autonomous selves everywhere. And if you get in the way of that, no, then you're going to be killed. That's James, James 4, 1 through 2. Why? What is the source of your quarrels and arguments? Is it not the desires in your members? What will happen is somebody has a desire. They got to have it. And if you get in the way, they'll murder and kill you. Now, thankfully, his daughter isn't doing that physically, but she is doing that in a degree in that it is still the same consequence. I want you out of my life. All right, fine. I don't want you six feet under, but I don't want to see you. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to deal with you. That is a massive trend these days. And this is why I think the local church needs to, as often as possible, be encouraging parents to be to be great parents, but to encourage the kids that they do have great parents. I got it. We were we were in a restaurant and the table next to me. I couldn't help but watch it. These people I'm telling you, it was child abuse. I was watching child abuse because they didn't give the kid a cell phone. He had to sit there and read a book. I don't know what sort of wicked sadist these parents are. I was enjoying it so much. It's like, oh, and then grandma was there and she's reading the book. And I, I, I just keep thinking about that insurance commercial. The guy who instructs young people how to not become their parents. I wanted to say, hey, pop, keep it up. Well done, sir. I wanted to do that. I wish I had, but it just never quite, they never really made eye contact for that to not be really weird and intrusive. But I do believe we should be doing that in the church because this fellow is experiencing, I think, a cultural rash. And that is separating from people, including parents who get in my way of doing what I want. Furthermore, Jesus warned this would happen. It would be father against daughter. It would be husband against wife. Now, we don't do things just to agitate so we can separate. But if we are holding the moral line, we do it as lovingly as we can. We need to accept these things are going to happen. Sir, might I suggest this? Try, try to win her as if you were trying to win a spouse. Do all of the things that you can do to reflect the love that you have for your daughter. She might reject it. She might throw the flowers in the garbage. Whatever it is that you choose to do, she may not ever text you back. Just keep loving and loving and loving. Don't compromise on the truth because you did indeed do the right thing. But there are still things that you can do to try to, to win, win her relationship with you back so that you can continue to speak into her life. And I'm sorry for your pain, sir. This is Wretched Radio. So you aren't convinced of the importance of training godly men to rightly divide the word of truth in churches 
internationally? Well, then we'll let Paul Washer convince you. You have to support men who are elder qualified proclaimers of the word. When we support a man coming out of TMAI, we know not only that he is properly trained, but we know that he will still be supervised. Would you please join TMAI, the Master's Academy International, in advancing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through expository preaching in local churches around the globe. It's a magnificent ministry and it's so important. Please consider partnering with TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Thank you for supporting indigenous pastors around the world. Hey, you know, we usually have a lot of fun around here, but today I've got something seriously good to share. Our year-end sale in full swing, and this is not your run-of-the-mill garden variety sale. This is the big one. First of all, we're offering up to 50% off, practically giving things away. And that's not all, because if you order over $50, we're going to ship it for free. But wait. There's more. Here's the big deal. If you spend $75 or more during the Wretched year-end sale, we're going to throw in a Wretched 40-ounce tumbler. Think Stanley, but of the Wretched variety. And this tumbler is so exclusive, you can't buy it. The only way to get your hands on it is to spend $75 or more during the Wretched year-end sale. It's our way of saying thank you for all the support. And speaking of support, if you are so inclined, every donation now through the end of the year is being matched dollar for dollar. It's the year-end extravaganza here at Wretched. It's easy, it's impactful, and hey, it's a pretty good way to avoid whatever else you were supposed to be doing at the moment. As you know, we like to talk about MediShare here because it's affordable biblical health sharing. And I actually saw an ad from MediShare announcing themselves to missionaries. How smart is that? What a blessing that might be. If you're not familiar with MediShare, it's an alternative to traditional health insurance which means it's alternatively less expensive. The average family saves about $500 per month. It's Christians sharing the health burdens of other Christians. It's a beautiful thing. Whether you're a missionary or not, if in that is a need you have, I encourage you, metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a nice person who's gonna pray for you and they will tell you what your family can anticipate, and you can ask questions. 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Know your church fathers. Ambrose was the Bishop of Milan in the fourth century and one of the four original doctors of the church. He defeated Arianism by appealing to scripture and using well-reasoned arguments. Ambrose reminds us that a faithful teacher is a blessing to generations of Christians. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Sums on your mind. Would you please codify it and send it to idea at wretched.org? This is Wretched Radio. So grateful you send pretty much anything to idea at wretched.org. And this one is from Kayla, who says, Hello, Todd. Is birth control okay to use? Is it unbiblical? And what about more permanent options after you've had children? Okay. Got, got both of those. All right. Uh, it depends on what it is. Number one, the first point, not the second point. The first one, it depends on what it is. Uh, I think we need to start 
back in the garden and that God gave human beings a mandate to be fruitful and multiply. That That is the human mandate. Does that mean every single person has to go about the business of getting married and multiply as much as they can? No, because if that were true, Jesus and Paul would be sinning, and they weren't. And so not everybody has to. There is a gift of singleness so that you can do more work for the church. So we recognize you don't have to have the maximum number of children that you possibly can. Not every family needs to be the Duggars. Having said that, we recognize that children are a huge blessing. They contribute to the planet. Was reading another article, probably New York Times, about people and how terrible human beings are because they just, they caught, they pulled. They use up so much oxygen and so many resources. That is not the Christian attitude. We love kids. So with those two thoughts in mind, I believe that every parent and every couple, rather, has the ability to make a decision for themselves how many kids they're going to have. The question then arises, if you agree with that, then the question arises, how do you do that? Well, there, of course, historically has been the rhythm method, which works to varying degrees. But we now have something called birth control, and that's where the devil is in the details. Because if there is a form of birth control that stops the sperm from meeting the egg, I do not think that's a sin. Problem is, so much of it, especially the pills, It's after the sperm and the egg have joined, and then as it's making its way to the uterine wall, that wall gets compromised and it gets sloughed off, and then, of course, the life is terminated. In other words, it's an abortion in utero. So we need to make sure that if we are going to avail ourselves of birth control, that we read the details. This is going to be one of those times where you actually do need to read the fine print, as opposed to just saying, I agree. You need to dive in and figure it out out because you don't want to be taking the life of your child. Now, what about after you think that you've had enough kids, you've decided no more kids? I would say for before I even tell you what I think about those procedures, be really careful, be really slow because that's a huge decision. Don't make that one quickly because it was just a hard delivery or it was this kid is driving you nuts. Be careful because you might make a really bad decision that is very difficult to undo, if not impossible. Do I think it's a sin to have one of those procedures done? I don't because, again, I do think that a couple does have the right to make those decisions. With that being said, be careful as you navigate through this, that you are not taking God's place, that you aren't being the decider of life, that you aren't the one who has put the cap on your family. In other words, pray for wisdom, read what the Bible has to say about this, get godly counsel, recognize that you do have liberty, consider all of these issues, make a decision, and I don't think you're sinning if you have a procedure that keeps you from having children in the future, both male and female idea at wretched.org all right this one comes from um joe must we regard the pastor's wife as the first lady of the church well i go to my bible and i don't see that title where did that come from probably 20th century title most likely from that that tends to be a title that gets used a lot in black churches. I hate using that term, but that's the best we've got to describe a group of people 
that utilize the term first lady. Do I think it's a sin to do that? No. Do I think it's fraught with danger? Yeah, I do. Because why is she the first lady? By virtue of being married to the pastor, does she now have an office? Does she have authority? Does she receive more privilege? Does she get a parking place? Now, you can honor her in your church, and I think we should most certainly, but I think that title, which is really a 20th century and certainly not biblical invention, is not ideal. I do know of one pastor who is rock solid and that he's pastor and she's first lady. He's not a heretic. I, I think that he, I, I understand what would motivate that, but because it's not biblical, because I think the, of the implications, I just don't think it's the best title to be using at all. Idea at wretched.org. All right. This one's a, uh, I think a two-parter here. I think uh, he, he's looking for two answers. This is from Anonymous, who says, um, Todd, I was wondering, how do I have conversation with random people about the gospel when I struggle with the fear of man? Mm. And also, I'm kind of lazy, and I don't know how to stop. What can I do? <laughs> stop having a fear of man? Is that it? <laughs> well, stop being lazy and get on it. Let's, let's just encourage you to do just that. Fear of man is a snare. It's going to keep you from growing. It's, it's going to keep you from having joy and assurance. Always worried about what people might think. If I make a misstep, they're going to judge me and not have the same opinion of myself that I have. So I'm just not going to do anything. Don't be paralyzed, but don't be told that immediately today, effective right now, you need to be on the streets witnessing to at least 17 people today. No, that's Ray Comfort's mandate. <laughs> Your mandate is to get on it and get started. How could you start overcoming these things? I think there's two ways. I think theological, and then there's also some practical things that will undergird the theological we should have no fear of man. Our biggest fear has been resolved because of Jesus Christ. We do not fear God anymore. We do not fear damnation anymore. We do not fear judgment. We do not fear wrath. Our biggest fear problem has been solved. This is nothing. These are, these are mere mortals. What can they do to me? Nothing. Don't fear man who can kill your body. No, fear God who can kill you and send you to hell. That's that's like, whoa, that's the fear. And because of Jesus Christ, we don't fear God in that servile way. Now, we still have a reverential fear, but not that trembling. Ah, I'm paralyzed by it. All gone. Now you don't need to fear human beings. So grow in that aspect. Get more and more confidence in God. Have less confidence in the flesh. And you're, you will see your fear of man problem diminish. I would also suggest you go looking for the roots of that. What, what's, 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 what's really up? What are you afraid of? Try to dissect yourself a little bit so that you can have a theological balm to heal you from your fear of man problem. Having said that, there are practical things you can do. Do what you can do. And I think this goes for all of us, by the way. Ray Comfort, he hits the streets. He is a maniac. But Ray isn't the standard, nor am I. God gives different giftings, different situations, different skills to the body. But we should all be evangelizing. We should all be about that business. But I do think we have the liberty to define how much of that business we're doing and how we do that business. So get started. We'll send you copies of Solving the God Puzzle. Absolutely free. 200 a case. 
and that includes shipping. You get a case, promise to give them out. We'll send them to you at no cost to you, including shipping. What could you do with them? Put them in a bill. Put, put. My daughter was on a walk with the dog that needs to gain weight. It's a German shepherd that is just not packing on the pounds like he's supposed to. Gorgeous dog. They're out walking. She took a picture of one of those free book boxes. And she said, Dad, we need to get some of your books in here. Another, we need to get gospel booklets in there. Put them there. Leave them on the table when you're done with your meal. Hand them to somebody walking by. Give them to a complete street. Just go, hey, did you get one of these? And then walk. you can do that. We can all do that, can't we? No, it could be a little scary, but what will be the fruit of this? First of all, you'll be obedient to the Great Commission. Second of all, you're going to grow in confidence in the Lord. You're going to have to run to your strong tower. You are going to find yourself with knocking knees going, I, I can't do this. I can't do this. Well, with the Lord's help, you most certainly can. And no, I'm not going to say you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, but he will help you overcome it. And this should this will actually produce more humility in you, and it will put your confidence in the right zip code, which is the heavenly address where it actually resides, and you will find yourself growing. Do it at your own pace. Maybe the next step is you get one of those telemarketers. Hey, you know what? Before you pitch me what you want to, can I pitch you something? Give me 60 seconds and share the gospel. That's safe. You could do internet evangelizing. The people get saved through some of those conversations. You could create a website. You could put up a YouTube video. Do what you can do, but by all means, do something to be obedient to the Great Commission. And don't let others judge you for not doing it exactly the way that they do it. Please send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, articles, stories, sermons, whatever, to idea at wretched.org. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, we kick things off in New York, where a Democratic lawmaker introduced legislation this week that could force Chick-fil-A restaurants to open on Sundays. The bill is taking aim that the franchise is a little bit too restrictive and likely targets the chain's policy of giving workers Sundays off for worship and rest. And when asked about trampling religious freedoms, the councilman scoffed at that, insisting that fried chicken availability trumps any spiritual convictions. You know, I suspect he'd be singing a different tune if uh, another faith owned a Chick-fil-A. But we're not supposed to say that stuff out loud, are we? Shifting topics, a biological male who identifies as transgender recently shattered collegiate women's sprint records after switching teams. Of course he did. The athlete competed on the men's roster last season, but moved over to sweep the 60-meter and 200-meter events this year. You know, if he was dominant on the male team, he would have never even considered pretending to be a girl. It's not fair and it's predictable. The league and the woke sports media brand anyone who criticizes this as a bigot and this runner as a victim. Meanwhile, the female runners who are missing out on championships and scholarship spots, they're the real victims. Thanks to a system that is forcing, quote, equal outcomes that are never going to be equal because there's nothing equal about men and women's genetics. And moving along to the things that are now considered okay in this country, 
The recent Satanic Temple indoctrination scheme, after-school Satan clubs for elementary kids. These demonic groups are teaching innocent children toxic doctrines like there's no hell or consequence for evil doing. And they're already operating in over 20 locations, even the elementary school my wife attended as a child. And it's all thanks to religious freedom laws that have been exploited to infiltrate academia. I guess worshiping the devil as extracurricular activities makes sense when it comes from our public school overlords. But we want to finish today and the week on a positive note. Best-selling author Karen Kingsbury has encouraged families to pursue reconciliation over the Christmas holiday. Amen to that. Despite inevitable tensions flaring during the holidays, she is urging that we choose understanding over grudges. Kingsbury reminds us that Christ came to tear down relational walls between people and God, and so we should reflect that grace-driven posture in our human connections as well. I pray for your family, mine as well, that Kingsbury's call for peace on earth yields much fruit this Christmas and into the new year. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Hermeneutics. A vital part of biblical hermeneutics is an understanding of genre. One genre we find in scripture is narrative. Narratives tell us of real events with real people in real places at a real time. Not everything we read in narratives is condoned by God, but everything we read is part of God working out His plan for the world. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Text us. Do anything but just text us and I'll stop singing. This is Wretched Radio, 877-282-2337. Please text questions, comments, conundrums, snarks. By the way, Jimmy, I got a, I got a question for you to see how abnormal I might be. When was the last time you checked your voicemail? The last time I checked my voicemail? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On, on my personal phone? Yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> a long time. See, we don't even we don't even check voicemails anymore. Besides, they actually transcript your voicemail so that it can be a blessed text. Because who has time to talk to a human being on the phone? So if you would like to take advantage of the most recent technology here at Wretched Radio, 877-282-2337. And we do have a text from Anonymous. Todd... You mentioned a few times before that if you're strapped financially, you shouldn't give. Yep. Now, I think that's a great idea, but what I've heard before is that if you have enough faith, then Mm. God will provide, and you're supposed to tithe no matter what. No. Can you give me some clarity on this? No, 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 no. You can't give what you don't have. And to go into an unsecured debt position because you've given away money that you're borrowing, probably at a high percentage, that is not commended in the Bible. In fact, just the opposite. We should strive to never be in debt. Furthermore, as we've stated before, tithing is never 10%. Tithing is not a guarantee that God will bless any of the blessings that we see in the old covenant because of faithful giving. That's under the Mosaic Covenant. We're not anymore. Furthermore, the tithe then was never 10%. It was 23 and a third. And we see in the New Testament, no command to give, especially regardless. Now, if you're poor and you want to give, you certainly can. Don't we see the widow's might being cherished by our Lord? But he doesn't say, hey, 
If you're on your last dime, you better give a penny of it. Otherwise, you're sinning. That is just not the way that God commands us to give. He really, yes, there's a command to give, but it's an invitation because it's always from the heart. God doesn't care about percentages. He cares about your desire to give. So if you do not have the money to give to your local church or to, I don't know, a parachurch ministry like this one, wretched.org slash donate, get, get yourself into better financial footing if you can. And give when you have something to give. And as long as I brought it up, which I actually did, this is the time of year. If you can give, we'd be really grateful. It's it's super important that if you are somebody who has perhaps been participating in this ministry in one way, shape, or form for a bit, and it's been a blessing, I know that's maybe hard for many to imagine, but if it has and you haven't been a financial gospel partner, would like to encourage you to consider doing that, say, now, because we have a matching gift campaign. And it is super important that we hit that match your dollar will be matched with a dollar, your 10 with 10, etc. Please, if you can, consider supporting this here ministry at wretched.org slash donate, wretched.org slash donate. All right. Uh, this next question is from Tom. Uh, Todd, there is a 19-year-old who has attended my church for a very long time, but is yet to become a member. Would formal church discipline be applied in this case? Can't. Not a member. You can't be kicked out of the church if you're not a member of the church. Now, I know that some churches will say that if you just come long enough, you come three Sundays in a row, that makes you a member. Okay. Where I see the challenge to that would be there is no joining, there's no consensus of beliefs. Furthermore, Church discipline is the big, this is why you need to be a member of a local church so that you can be kicked out of it if necessary. It is a safety mechanism for you and for the purity of the local church. So if and you are not a member of a local church, please become one. Otherwise, uh, you can never get kicked out of it. Idea at wretched.org. All right. Uh, this one is from Anonymous. It's an email uh, sent in. And she's asking, after a painful breakup with a fellow church member, how can I detach painful memories from this person who I see, see regular, regularly at church? What happened to you? Did you get <laughs> I struggled, in yeah, I struggled with that one. That was... That was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whatever. I need to drink water. Okay. What, what, it's not easy, but I would suggest to you, if you were in that sort of situation, tough it out. Endure. Keep striving to go to church and to be pleasant to the person with whom you have had. I presume this is a boyfriend-girlfriend sort of affair that you've had a breakup. We, we, we aren't pagans. We, we aren't secularists who would say, just get away, just ghost them. No, it is in the context of the local church that these sorts of things, they're going to happen. And nowhere in the Bible do we see permission to just skedaddle because it's awkward. You have an amazing opportunity to grow in Christian maturity and graces. You really do. Furthermore, I might suggest to you that if you can strive to stay at that church and be friendly with the person that you've broken up with, 
that 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 relationship might end up being a deeper friendship relationship than you have with other people in the church. And it might actually put that relationship onto the footing that it should always have been. I know this is hard. I know that romantic feelings can be easily pondered when dating somebody. But if you are dating, courting, whatever your vernacular is, don't, as Christians, become more than friends. Don't be more than brothers and sisters. Not until there is some sort of a formal commitment should I think you be strived beyond that because the Bible doesn't endorse other, like, like even, well, boyfriend, girlfriend relations that are romantic. You got to stay in the friend zone, stay in the brother and sister zone. And then if the breakup happens, look at no harm, no foul. It won't be a problem. So if you were perhaps linked a little bit more than just boy and girl friends or brothers and sisters sticking around, might actually bring that relationship to where it should have always been. By the way, I read something interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm reading through a commentary. I don't know why I dusted this one off of my shelf. It is from a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod theologian from the 1920s, I believe. Kretzman's, uh, Paul Kretzman, I believe, his commentary set. It's really good. The Lutherans from the 1920s sounded really evangelical. <laughs> it was very gospel-centered. It was really encouraging how he was he was talking about Jesus in his genealogy identifying himself with sinners because his grace abounds for the worst of sinners. Tell me that doesn't that's like sweet, really good. But the reason that I bring up this commentator is he was talking about the relationship between Joseph and Mary before they actually tie, officially tied the knot. It was the betrothal process, which was actually a legal commitment. And I found this fascinating. I'm not sure that I agree because I don't think the Bible spells it out. I think it's in the context of historical narratives we find these details. But this commentator said, that's the way it should be today. That a boy and a girl, uh, they, they should, with the approval of parents, there should be an agreement between the families that these two are going to get married. They do not consummate it until that covenant is actually cut. But this is a legal and binding agreement. So you can't easily break up with somebody when you've said, sure, I'll marry you. Now, agree or disagree with that. But the the very fact that probably out of the tens and tens of people listening to this here wretched radio program, nine out of ten said, what? Is he nuts? just tells you how our view of marriage has changed so dramatically, even inside of the local church. Idea at wretched.org or 877-282-2337. So this is an interesting question from Tommy. He texted in and said, Todd, I'm a sixth grade teacher in a public school. Recently, one of the aides who assists in my classes asked for a letter of recommendation for an education program. She does her job well, but as a self-described pagan who acknowledges witchcraft and random gods. Should I be willing to write her a recommendation based on her ability in the classroom, knowing that I am exposing potentially thousands of children to her sphere of influence? That's, that's a, a little bit tricky because she's not supposed to be. Remember, we don't get to download our religion to the kids, unless, of course, it's complete secularism and woke ideology. 
are you endorsing or are you potentially putting kids in danger? I would have to put that in the gray area. I, I, I can imagine some Christians would just go, I can't do that. I just, I can't, I can't do it. Others would say, she's just going to be teaching kids reading, writing, and arithmetic, and she'll be held to the same standards that we Christians are. Okay, she probably won't be, but the point is, uh, Jimmy, I would put this into the gray disputable dispensation category, wouldn't you? I I would too, yeah. Yeah, and by the way, and if you disagree with this person, and this person goes to your church, um, you need to stop going to that church. I'm kidding! It's just... Got to learn to get along with those adiaphoron. This is Wretched Radio. Don't forget to visit wretched.org. I believe in a culture of life. One of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms of all three of my kids. The sonogram or the the pictures that are taken of babies, still a profoundly helpful tool, which encourages me to encourage you to consider supporting Preborn Ministries. Preborn Ministries and their network clinics, they are giving away free ultrasounds to women, but they do cost something. It's $28 an ultrasound. And just as you heard Governor DeSantis say, his view of life was profoundly changed when he saw the baby in the womb when you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat would you please consider supporting preborn it's a great ministry of life it has a high anthropology shares the gospel with women and with the dads preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched hey thanks for listening to wretched radio today we certainly appreciate it when you tune in and you listen to wretched radio and you check out our other resources that are available at wretched.org thank you for listening we couldn't do this without you because who would listen who would watch (laughs) we need people to watch and listen in order to continue doing this so thank you for supporting us in that way now if you would like to take our relationship to a higher level we also need your support financially because just like if we don't have listeners and viewers to listen to and view the content we can't produce it well if we don't have the financial resources we also can't produce the content we produce and so we need your help in that regard as well so if you've ever considered becoming an ongoing monthly wretched gospel partner we would certainly appreciate that we have answers for any questions you could possibly have available at wretched.org slash donate that's wretched.org slash donate wretched amazing grace amazing gospel I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty, and I asked, and it said, in, in American currency, how much does it cost to have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month? So every single week, what, what's the, what does it take to make that happen? Ready? A buck, one dollar. That's it. The kid comes, they get treats. They get materials that they learn the Bible. They memorize a buck because it's it's all volunteer driven. All those dear ones, they're volunteers. It's an amazing ministry. And if you have a heart for the lost in Eastern Europe, Africa, and you love supporting ministries that are super efficient and biblically sound, I would point you in the direction of tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, and ask how many children might I be able to support per month? Hermeneutics. 
A vital part of biblical hermeneutics is an understanding of genre. One genre we find in scripture is prophecy. Prophetic books record God's warnings to Israel and other nations of the consequences of continued rebellion against Him and the blessings waiting those who trust Him for salvation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. It's going to get better. Things that mean a lot here at Wretched Radio. I heard the new telephone system. Oh, it's crystal clear. And it's going to be set up and ready. When, Jimmy? <laughs> We're working on it. It sounds so good. It does. I can, you can, it's like crystal clear. So hang in there. We're getting a new phone dealy, Bob. That's the technical term. All of you people who work at AT&T know that. Little inside jargon for you. We'll get the dealy mabob set up so that we can hear you clear, still clear when you call one eight seven seven two eight two. Yes, I have a question from Mister T O Double T. Real, is it right for a pastor not to have deacons or elders in the church and have? ultimate control? Actually, two questions there. I believe that it's quite clear that it, that, that a church must have elders, a plurality of elders. It could be two, three, however big the church is, whatever the needs are. But Paul told Timothy, make sure that there are elders in each church. Second, right with the qualification of elders, you see the qualifications of deacons. It's assumed you got deacons because you need that. And by the way, we see that in the early church in the book of Acts, that there are those who are needed to take care of the needs of the body. So I don't think that it should just be the pastor and nobody else. Now, as for authority, that is a different question. Can there be one who is the speaker of the house, who tips the ball when there appears to be a stalemate? And I think the answer is, yeah, I think you can have that because sometimes it's needed. Uh, How you set up your church, though, when it comes to the authority of the elders, I think there's a ton of liberty in that. If you ever study church polity, if you do not conclude, okay, this is a big subject and we've got to be careful how firmly we pound our fist on the table, you might want to study a little more because you see good brothers, they are making slightly different decisions about church structure. It can be a little bit tricky when it comes to the role of the one that we think of as the senior pastor. Does he have more authority than the others? Is it equal? Or is it, um, the, what, what is that old saying, Jimmy, about the, there's, there's one superior among the equals? They're equal, but they got a little bit more. Right. That, that's, that's debatable stuff. So that just needs to be worked out in the context of your congregation. But as far as not having other elders... Not only do I think that's not biblical, I don't think that's wise. There's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. There's wisdom in having other guys to go, "Ah, you know, Pastor, I don't think that that's actually the right way to go about doing this. You want to have that sort of wisdom. 1-877-282. Mr. 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 Friel, Mm -hmm. I have a question. Is it wise for a single Christian man or woman to adopt children into their home? Yeah. I've known a couple of people right. who've done this, yep. and while there's a noble motivation, mm-hmm. it just doesn't quite sit right with me. 
Am I off on this? Jimmy, do you think that I need to make more noises while people are talking? <laughs> Just a little. I get where he's going. Like, I see that too. And it's like, oh, you want these kids to be adopted, but we want to make sure we're not being pragmatic. In other words, we don't use the ends to justify the means. If I don't, I'm a single, if I don't adopt this kid or kids, they're not going to have a home at all. Well, that would be pragmatism if God speaks a clear word about how he has designed the family dynamic to work. And we see it's clear. It's a mother and it's a father. So if you're a single and you want kids, you got to take the first step. If we're going to do it God's way, you've got to get married. And there's a reason for it. You need it and your kid needs it. And this is an encouragement to dads and moms. Dad, you're not a doofus. I don't care what Archie Bunker made dads look like or Archie back. Uh, what was uh, uh, Dagwood Bumstead or any of the ridiculous characterizations, these mocking portrayals of men. The doofus dad. Well, dad don't know nothing. He's just not aware of any. He's dumb. Dad is, you know, he always loses stuff. Dad, we need you. Don't buy what the culture is telling you about fatherhood being dithering and unnecessary. And madam, be encouraged. You're needed. Was just, oh, okay. Somewhere in this stack of stuff that you sent, I was just reading that they did an international study on empathy and genders. And I believe, I'm doing this from memory, it was like 50-some nations. For the sake of easy math, let's do 50. No, I think it was 53. Because it was 36 nations, the woman was more empathetic. In the other 17 nations, 53, it was equal. Not one nation showed men to be more empathetic. Now, tests like that, yeah, but I, I, don't, I don't need a test like that. I don't need a study like that. I got the Bible. Women are more, they're the tender one. They're the soft one. Ish, isha, the hard one, the soft one, the more muscular one, the more tender one. And we need both in the home. That's God's prescription. And if we want to see kids adopted, and we do, we, we got to take the first step. And that is marriage, because our kids need a mom and a dad. One eight seven. You agree with that, Jimmy? Completely. Okay. One eight seven seven two eight two. Hey, Todd. Uh, my pastor uh, a year ago allowed a transgender man to come into the congregation, but uh, before that, he sat and talked with him and told him that he would never be allowed to serve in our church, and he also told him that he would not allow him to come and start spreading propaganda. Let's just stop right there, because I sense a list coming here. Can he? Can somebody come into your church and spread propaganda? I think the pastor has every right to say, no, you're not going to do that here. I am charged with making sure that truth is proclaimed here, not error. You can't do that. We want you here, but you can't do that. As far as never serving in the church, whew, ah, it, it, there might be, there probably are special circumstances, but if 1 Corinthians 6 is accurate, such were some of you, it doesn't list transgenders, but it lists a panoply of sins. I, I, and, and I don't see that this person, based on their sin history, can never serve. Jimmy, would you say that somebody who is transgender, who's repented, born again, has demonstrated fidelity, uh, they've been participating in the life of the church, would you ever let them serve in any capacity? Oh, yeah, absolutely, if, they, right. if they've been regenerated, yeah. Okay, but I, I think, but that's what we should be doing anyway, isn't it? Mm. 
There, I get it. There's a need. You got to you got to have ki- people in win with the kids. So you know, who's breathing? Come on, help in the nursery. I think that every pl- every little service that the adults provide there, I just think it's wise to have some standards and, and and some. Hey, wait a second before we allow you to do that. And I think that that time is needed. I know we do that in our church. They're identified. These 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 men for offices of elders and deacons, they're identified. And then it's shared with the body. So everybody can kind of look and go, yeah, we're agreeing with you guys. These people are qualified for this. Whatever your process is for that, there should be some sort of guidelines and some sort of standards and some sort of observable way to say that over time that the individual is qualified. All right, let's get back to our potential list here. He told him that uh, he was uh, uh, allowed to sit there and hear the gospel uh, each Sunday, and the man came, and uh, he came several Sundays, but uh, we hadn't seen him since. Uh, the question is, was my pastor right in doing that? Uh, he did set guidelines, but uh, he did allow the uh, the uh, transgender man to, to come. Uh, I was just wondering what your thoughts were on that. My, my thoughts must be taken out of the context of your church, sir, if you'd allow me permission to do that, because I, I don't want to speak against your pastor. I don't know the details. I just I just don't. And and furthermore, uh, just communication and how things maybe have been conveyed from one person to the next. So if you will, let me just speak in general. One, anybody's welcome to come to church. Anybody is welcome, and they should feel the love of Christians. We should be glad any sinner shows up. Having said that, can a pastor make rules? Absolutely. He's charged to do that. A shepherd has a staff, and sometimes he has to use that staff to chase away. Sometimes he has to use that staff to protect. Sometimes he has to use that staff to correct. And so a pastor, I think, Having the wisdom of a plurality of elders. See what I did right there, Jimmy? I do. Thank you. That he can make rules about that because there's some there's some specific things that need to be considered. What is being communicated if a man comes in women's clothing? How does that affect the body? How does that affect worship? And I don't I don't think a pastor would be going over the edge by maybe the person shows up once and then pulling him aside to say, hey, Friend, we want you here. In fact, we want to take you out for breakfast when we're done here. Let's go out to breakfast. We 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 want to show you some Christian love. And then say, but before next Sunday, um, gonna have to ask you because of the confusion. I could imagine a pastor doing that and setting up rules. As as far as is never serving, I I, I think Jimmy, I oh, this hurts. I think you're right. I, I I think an individual who has put that behind them shouldn't be forever disqualified. Now if there's other issues involved, for instance, somebody who has confessed an attraction to children, should they ever be allowed to be involved in children's ministry directly with the kids? I think wisdom would say probably not a good idea on that. So let's just welcome everybody who comes to our church, but let's let our pastor exercise wisdom to protect the flock that he is charged to protect. And until tomorrow, Go serve your king.